Ladies and gentlemen, we do thank you very much for your attention, and now we invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the Welcome to the Top Travel Destinations. I'm your host, Kevin Flanagan, here to use my 20 years of experience as a top travel writer with the Sunday Independent to show you where to stay, eat, shop, and explore when you visit the world's top travel destinations. So sit back and enjoy our journey together. Welcome to the Top Travel Destinations. I'm super excited to have a very, very special guest. She is Sarah Egan, who is very well known as sort of a legend in her own right as part of the Roadman podcast brand, which is huge and growing as we speak. I'm a very big fan of the podcast, and what I particularly like is the questions and answers. And Sarah has a way. She has a fantastic voice, but she just has a way. She's her own woman. And I really like the way she talks about her struggles with fitness, with being in and out of being fit, and just life as a woman. What I really like about it is her honesty. And I really can't wait. She's picked three destinations for us today. And I'm going to hand over to her and let her take us on a journey down her own precious memory lane. Sarah, you're so welcome. Kevin, I'm blushing. I'm blushing after that introduction. Thank you so much. Yeah, some people say famous. I think I've been called infamous maybe sometimes, but <laughs> no, thank you for that. Yeah, the podcast is going fantastic, but I'm delighted to be here with you today to have a chat about a couple of my favorite places to go and why and all of those kind of warm, fuzzy feelings I get from these spots every time I go. So let's dive straight in. What's your first pick and why? Okay, so this, uh, people might roll their eyes and kind of think, oh, really? London? But London for a girl's holiday for me is absolutely perfect. Now, I'll let you in on a little bit of a secret. I'm a follower, not a leader. So thankfully, in my group of girlfriends, there's about eight of us and about two or three of them are kind of leaders. They will pick what to do. They will tell me exactly what time to show up at the airport, which I absolutely love. So I just go and I follow and I'm just a yes woman when I get to these places. And the reason that myself and my friends love going back to London, well, there's a million but a lot of my friends have kids so we don't want to go somewhere where the flight is like two three hours we want to get there and start relaxing almost immediately and we don't want to go somewhere where you land in an airport and then you have a big transfer time to get to where you're actually going so it's really important for us if we're going away together that we get there quick and we start get into holiday mood almost straight away and we know london london has something for absolutely everybody did you know that almost 17 million visitors visit london every single year and i really am not surprised at it some people think it's a dirty old town but i absolutely love it now for me I go because of the shopping. Two times a year I go and I absolutely splurge. You can go to Oxford Street, but you're going to find the exact same stores that you have here in Dublin or in Cork and Galway or whatever city is closest to you. And of course, go and check out Harrods if you want to see how the other half lives. But these days, it's all about thrifting, going to the vintage shops, 
finding that perfect gem, something really individual, something you're going to hold dear forever, something that's unique, something that's going to stand out. So instead of Oxford Street, you have a couple of options. You could go to Camden. Camden is great. It's got a really diverse community. It's got loads of creative sellers. The last time we were there, we had amazing banter with all of the street sellers. So much fun. Great street food. You've got traders. You've independent stores. It's always open. It's really buzzy. There's loads of people. There's a million places to shop, to eat, to drink. You can dance. There are literally people dancing in the afternoon there. And while it is cool, sometimes it can be full of tash. Now, if you want to come home and you want a toilet roll holder that has King Charles face on it, go to Camden. It's absolutely <laughs> perfect. So instead, I would go and explore Shoreditch. Shoreditch is incredible. Again, variety of food, shopping, markets, loads of cool and affordable vintage finds. You know, if you're looking for some jewellery, if you're looking for some cool clothes, boots, really, really unique pieces that you're not going to see everybody else on the street wearing or on a night out. And make sure that you head to Brick Lane and Spitalfields. It's just that little bit more quirky and cool. And I think it's real London. Wow. Well, that, that really triggers a lot of memories. I'm actually a Londoner originally, as I think you know. And I can remember my father taking me, and this is going back to the 60s, taking me to Spitalfield when it was the old market. Now, I'm sure it's been a bit gentrified since then. Absolutely. Uh, but, but Yes. But I think the great thing about London, it's like New York, it's like Paris. It's almost a country to itself. It doesn't necessarily share the identity of Britain any more than New York shares the identity of America. So your first destination is a sort of a girl's weekend away. What do you think is the ideal length of time and the ideal number of companions? That's a really, really good question. I think two nights, three nights maximum. That's all we seem to be able to get away from. And I think London, even though there's so much to do, you kind of want to get out of there after two, three nights. I think you've kind of had your fill of it at that stage. So for a break like that, I think two nights, three nights max, and then get out of there. I've had friends who've lived in London and you do feel very anonymous there in comparison to cities here in Dublin. You probably bump into about 10 people that you know walking down the street here. But in London, you do feel a little bit anonymous. It's not somewhere I'd like to live, but I love to visit and I love to leave. Yes, yes. And of course, the, the interesting thing about London is sometimes finding a bit of anonymity can be quite good but again for as you say a limited amount of time and what sort of number of companions would you recommend our listeners as a fun group i think the eight core group we all know each other very very well and we're not too shy to say to each other okay i'm going shopping and i'm going to go and see a museum and we'll hook back up for lunch or things like that so i think if you've got a group like that and you can communicate like that eight it's a quite a big number i would think if you want to have a cohesive group on a weekend i would say four or five is probably max and where do you like hanging out when you go to london for a drink for somewhere to eat what, what sort of floats your boat i know this is a terrible cliche but i really really love doing afternoon tea when I go to London. It's an awful cliche, but it's just so posh. We went to the Ritz the last time. It's about 70 quid for afternoon tea and 
don't go there hungry have a good breakfast because there's not a lot of food and if you want a bit of champagne on top of it it's about 94 pounds but it's just so lovely because as a girl you get totally dressed up in the afternoon it just feels so exclusive and luxurious have a chat have some bubbles with your friends and it's just the perfect afternoon in london i absolutely love it that sounds amazing can you paint the picture of where you sit and who serves you and what's presented to you so everything is so delicate it's just presented on beautiful crockery or delf as my mom would say with beautiful teacups and saucers it's something you'd never do in your own home i drink tea out of a big disgusting builder's mug here you know and when you're there it's kind of mirrors head to toe gold everywhere the tablecloths are crisp the waiters cannot do enough for you. They're absolutely immaculate. It feels like you could be a millionaire for an hour when you're in there. It's a lovely, lovely feeling. And even though you're coming from Ireland, you know, it's a very friendly, the stiff upper lip, does that jar or not? I think it's nice to experience both sides of London because, of course, you have the real Cockneys, as I mentioned. You've got yes. the guys on the stands, the girls on the stands, and, I mean, the crack is 90 with them. And then you have that completely juxtaposed with, as you said, the stiff upper lip, the formality of these very, very posh hotels. So it's nice to do a little bit of both, I think. How do you navigate a city the size of London? Because Spitalfield's a little way out. So what's your default method of getting around so this is where i do tend to get a little bit bossy with the girls as i said i'm a little bit more laid back i'm not a huge fan of the tube it's absolutely perfect the weather is bad but sitting in a tube is not my idea of a good time and myself and the girls the last time we were there we hired the line bikes they're the electric bikes now they're expensive when you're on one for 10-15 minutes it's probably going to cost about the same amount as one of the black cabs so the price does fairly quickly knock up on them but it's so much fun as I said you don't break into a sweat they have an electric motor on them you barely have to pedal and you're just buzzing around London on them and you'd be so surprised how quickly you can get from Camden Shoreditch you can get all around the city back into the West End it's just so so much fun that's actually one of my top tips for going to London Wow, that's amazing. And what about road safety? I know you are very accomplished cyclists. What, what about someone who would be not as comfortable, maybe? The roads are so cycling friendly. So there's a lot of cycling only areas where you can kind of nip in and out of more urban areas, built up areas. The main roads as well. It looks and seems to me very friendly. And insofar as I think the bikes have been a welcome addition for cars, for taxis, for the city as a whole, because it's not as congested so everyone seems quite polite and then you need to be a little bit of an offensive cyclist make sure that you are safe if you have to take up a primary position on a road if someone is aggro behind you don't be afraid to use your bell if pedestrians are coming out in front of you but please don't be afraid of these line bikes they're great fun and you'll get so much crack out of them and they're a really fast way to see the city hire a bike in one part of the city go to the other part of the city leave the bike forget about it and then when you want to cycle home pick up a completely different bike and head back and it's, it's quite easy to register yeah literally on the phone. set up an app uh, connected to a credit card and it'll just come directly out of your account they always figure a really easy way to take your yeah. money no. uh, they do it like on the, on the tube where all you do now is just tap your credit card yeah, absolutely uh, it's quite incredible yeah. where would you recommend staying what areas and what sort of accommodation so i uh, 
I think Soho, Camden, all of the kind of buzzy places for me when I go away. You can go to places like Notting Hill. Everywhere has amazing accommodation for every single price point that you want. So if you want to get all eight girls into a big house, go on to Airbnb. Airbnb is a good option. If you want to maybe cook breakfast in, you can do that in a nice big Airbnb and then you can have all your other meals out. What we did one time was we got a huge house in Notting Hill. It was beautiful. And we hired a chef to come in one night and he absolutely spoiled us with the food. Did cooking demonstrations in the beautiful kitchen. We all just sat around drinking wine. It was fabulous. That sounds a fantastic idea. Mm. Now, does that break the bank, that sort of treat? It was about £150 per head. Basically, your wine and your food and this kind of cooking demonstration, which is what you would pay in a good restaurant in London to eat and have a couple of glasses of wine. So it was really lovely because you're there to catch up with your friends too. It's lovely to go to pubs, clubs, but this kind of intimate setting, just so nice. That sounds fantastic. And what we'll do is on the toptraveldestinations.com website, we will put links to all of these things that Sarah is going to recommend on her free destinations. And you can see how she's really drilling down into the detail. Any other tips for a girl's weekend away to London? Okay, so there's one restaurant, and I want to talk about nightlife for a second as well. So the one restaurant that I will never forget, that restaurant is called Jim Canna. I don't know if you've ever eaten there, Kevin. I've heard of it. It's one of the most spectacular Indian cuisine restaurants that you'll ever go to. It's so lively. It's so much fun. They have amazing cocktails. As far as I know, you can't book it. We had to wait on a table for about 45 minutes at the bar. So it's no hassle waiting. That honestly is one of the best restaurants I've been to. And if you're not into spicy food or Indian cuisine, go there because they have something for every palate every taste the vibes are absolutely immaculate in this place you'll just be buzzing afterwards and then the nightlife I just want to touch on this for a little while because it's so important especially for the girls trip away there's a million things to do in London it's such a buzz of a town if you want to go elegant if you want to go hipster if you want to be in a discreet little hideaway bar there's just so much there's sky bars there's whatever you're into it has the best night in the world I love the American bar at the Savoy for cocktails. I've been there with the girls before. I think we probably tasted every single cocktail between us on the menu that day. And it was just a really, really special day that sticks out in my mind. Nightclubs, depending again who you're with. I mean, if you want to go find a warehouse that's kind of on the outskirts of London, there's a place called The Fold. They have a 24-hour license. It's in a warehouse in the middle of nowhere. It's techno. It's crazy. It's high energy. It's hyper. I think I'm probably a little bit past that. But if that's the kind of vibe that you're going for, go for it. But I think for a girls' night out in London, you cannot beat a drag bar. A drag bar in London is probably the best fun you are going to have. There's entertainment, it gets rowdy, it's just absolutely hilarious. And in fact, instead of going to see a show, the last time we went to the West End, we went to see the Book of Mormon, which was fantastic. But you're just sitting there. You can't interact with your friend. If you're talking, you're getting shushed. You can't go and get drinks until the the break. Go and see a drag show because there's so, so much fun. It really would be one of the, the big things that I would recommend. The most famous ones in London are The Glory, Admiral Duncan, 
or the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. And if you go to any of those three places, you are going to be laughing about it for the next 10 years. Wow, that is a fantastic <laughs> recommendation. You really whetted my appetite and I'm not even a girl. This is really fantastic. Anything else before we move on to your next destination? Yeah, for London, it's really important that you book everything in advance, even your cocktail bar, the Ritz, if you want to go and see any museum or anything like that. And the drag show as well. And the drag show. Okay. Book everything in advance because a couple of nights we've gone out in London, we haven't been organised and we've ended up queuing forever only to get to the top of the queue and then they want extortionate amount of money to book a full table with bottle service. So you can avoid all of that by just booking your clubs, your restaurants, your events in advance. Bring your ID out with you every single night, even if you're in your 40s, even if you're in your 50s and you're like, there's no way I look under 18 or 21. You will get ID'd absolutely everywhere, no matter what age you are, and they will not let you in. It's something to do with insurance purposes unless you have your ID. So that can ruin a night really, really quickly if one of you doesn't have your ID. Before we leave London, the best memory you have of your girls away. The best memory is just a simple thing. It's. Being on the bikes and cycling around London and taking it all in. And the other thing that I love is, again, doesn't cost anything, sitting and people watching with your friends. You're looking over at a couple across the table and you're thinking, are they on a first date? And you're having a bit of a laugh around that. Just those simple moments in London and just the colour, the people and the vibrancy of the city. Yeah, when you sit, enjoy it or you're buzzing around in a bike, you can really soak all that in. Great. That's absolutely brilliant, Sarah. So let's take a deep breath and let's see what is your next destination and under what sort of category. Okay, so my next destination is a romantic break with your loved one. Although I absolutely have such a special place in my heart for Paris and all of the cities that you would go to and think love and romance, wine, champagne... One of the most romantic places I've ever been in my life has been to Iceland. Now, myself and Anthony are quite active and we like cycling, hiking, walking. This is such a perfect place to go. And let me tell you, even if you're not into an active lifestyle, you will still love Iceland. First of all, you've got the northern lights. Now, you need to be careful because you can really only catch the northern lights between October and March. It's definitely worth going during that period of time. Now, don't worry if you can't go and catch the lights. There's loads of other things to do. But all I can say is the majesty of the Aurora Borealis. It just makes you feel so small as a human. Everything is so beautiful. And Iceland is so untouched. There's only 200,000 people on the entire island of Iceland. And what really will strike you when you're over there is that you won't see anybody. (laughs) So it's very romantic. You get to spend so much time together. It's not warm, so it's going to be one of those cosy, romantic getaways drinking warm wines and things like that it's just so lovely it's so beautiful now if you don't get to go in those months you still have the stunning midnight sun that's what happens in the summer months so it's bright all of the time now when I say bright I've been there in this period of the year as well it's like a low grade lightness like a gray winter night that we would get gray winter 
2 p.m., 3 p.m. that you get in Ireland, but it's like that for 24 hours. So it's not super bright, it's not super dark, but yeah, it's lovely. It's a very, very cozy. Yeah, it's just has super memories for me. You've got so much romantic scenery. We did a guided 4x4 into the highlands. You can go and check out the craters. We did a private tour. You can obviously go with groups, not as romantic. And then there's a thing called the Golden Circle where they have all amazing waterfalls, craters, hikes. The flora and the fauna over there is incredible. It's just so beautiful. There's loads of national parks. We did this late night adventure we had on head torches through this national park. You've got the Aurora Boreal Arles over you and it's cold and snuggly and oh it's just so beautiful. Then you go back to your hotel, you're in front of a fire, you're having a hot whiskey. Oh, all the feels, <laughs> all the feels. <laughs> That's brilliant. Did you see the fault line where the two crusts meet? Yeah. The first time we went, we only got to go in the western side of the island. And then the second time we went, we went the other side, which is the glacier side. But no matter which side you're on, you can find the fault line because of the way it runs. And it's incredible. I mean, you're just looking down into the abyss and you're like, yeah. whoa, this is they're so powerful. Yeah, and literally the ground is moving under your feet. But there is a strange energy when you see these two huge continental plates grinding past yeah, each other. And then you have the geysers, I'm sure you saw them yes, as well, yeah. which are extraordinary. What about the drinking culture there? The drink. So I'm not a huge drinker anymore. I don't owe any of the pubs any money. I take it a little bit easier, a bit handier these days. And Anthony's not a huge uh, boozer either. But of course, we were in Reykjavik for one day and I think if you're on the active side you want to go and see the island Reykjavik is absolutely beautiful it's really cool I mean the, the way the whole thing is lined out it's just really gorgeous isn't it and the pubs the restaurants the bars are all and the coffee there. Shops. the coffee shops the chocolate shops yeah. some really quirky little stores if you're looking for some items of clothing that you won't find anywhere else in the world some beautiful knitwear so yeah Reykjavik was great we did a little bit of partying there I think it's a pretty boisterous town because I know a lot of people will go to Reykjavik and they won't go and see any other parts of the island at all which I think is a shame because it's so beautiful mm. but yeah it's definitely a big party town they can cer certainly put it up to us Irish the fact that it is light all the time for six months of the year, this has an effect because they will drink most people under yeah. the table. If you're into a real party culture, I've never seen anything as raucous and that yeah. can be good. You don't have to do that. You will certainly see something that's quite different. Yeah, on another level. I think you're right. I think it is into their mentality, this brightness or something. It's yeah, and then you know, six months of the year, it's dark. dark. And it's such a small population. Mm -hmm. Did you do the floating bath we, mineral? We did the lagoon. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God, the lagoon. It's absolutely lovely. Now, it's quite touristy. It can be yeah. really jammers. If you're looking on Instagram and you're thinking, I'm going to go to the Blue Lagoon or I'm going to go to some of these spas and I'll get some beautiful pictures, I'll be on my own. It's not like that. You've got about 10 overweight Americans <laughs> shouting and <laughs> screaming over you, <laughs> floating and drinking beers. And, you know, that's OK. They're welcome. But don't be expecting something like tranquil. The Blue Lagoon is probably better. We, we did go to a few of the different spas around the island. 
some of the natural springs. The Blue Lagoon, it's encouraged to be a little bit quieter, a little bit more chill. It's a little bit more high end. Yeah. And yeah. that was very nice. Yeah. But yeah, beautiful yeah. spas. Yeah. And for people who don't know, it's so full of mineral salts. Mm. It's actually connected to a, a plant which industrially produces salt i'd only discovered okay. that after it's not like some of the other natural places it is manufactured in a mm. way mm. but you do get this sort of dead sea scrolls moment where you just literally float mm. and i can still remember the texture from the skin after it's very good if you've got psoriasis so tell me other memories as regards things that you could do together that made this really stick out so i think one of my favorite days was when we went to see one of the big waterfalls now you've been to iceland there's beautiful waterfalls everywhere you become a little bit complacent because there's just stunning scenery left right and center one of the most beautiful days and romantic days that i remember was the cascades of Golfos. that's probably the most famous waterfall in the entire region country and the romance there is hard to beat you can walk around it it feels very special and i love going to those places and you just think god all the people that came before us that probably sat in the exact same place i'm sitting thinking how beautiful this is as well and just enjoying it it's just gorgeous any tips as regards staying and eating particularly Everybody knows that Iceland is kind of infamous for being quite expensive. Another tip that I would do is to do the Airbnb rather than a hotel. If you want to save a couple of bucks, that, that means that you can have a couple of coffees at home or you can make lunch at home and eat out for the rest of your meals. Reykjavik was amazing. The food was incredible. I don't have an example of a particular restaurant there, but if you just stroll around, all of the food is really high quality. I mean, we didn't eat in one single bad restaurant. What we did was we hired a camper van. Now, I think that a car really is a must when you go to Iceland. Of course, there's day trips out from Reykjavik. You're on a bus with a load of other people, which is totally fine if you're happy to do that. But for a romantic break, if one of you drives or you drive, definitely get a car. You can really make the holiday your own. But we did the camper van. We got it for five days and we, at our leisure, roamed around the country. The campsites are all immaculate i've done a lot of camping a lot of campsites a lot of camper van in my life and the campsites are stunning and they're always set in the most beautiful spots i mean you'll wake up you're just in awe so that is my other tip for iceland is get the camper van you might think i'll kill my partner in a camper van but you won't because you're on holiday it's just so chilled out and so lovely and so relaxed the other thing i will say wrap up I don't know when you were there, Kevin, but we were there in July and it was like 11 degrees, 12 degrees. So make sure you're ready for the weather. I I went there. It was a press event and it was chefs from all around the world were invited to 2008, I think, before the big crash in Iceland. Because Iceland was on this trajectory to huge wealth and then it crashed, disappeared down a hole. And we went there just before the crash and the amount of... uh, great chefs that had been brought in, the range of food. Of course, it's based around seafood and seaweed, and it's just incredible if you're into that. Their native food is amazing, but we were staying at a five-star hotel. Oh, Yoko Lennon was there, oh, and John Lennon's wife. No. She, was doing, yeah, she was doing some sort of tribute to John, and it was very memorable, meeting the Icelandic people who are quite... Mm 
particular. They're very proud. They've got that conquering spirit. They really and, do. That kind yeah. of confidence, don't yes, they? Yes, yes, because they're so small and they've had to fight off invasions. Mm. But really an extraordinary place. I think that's so interesting as a romantic break. So yeah. thank you for that. Any final tips before we move on to our final destination? Just go there. If you're going on a breakaway with your partner, maybe your inclination, particularly if you're from a country like Ireland, you're like, oh, we'll go and get a bit of sun. But please go to Iceland. You won't be disappointed at all. You're going to make amazing memories over there. Yes, I, do, I agree with that. And I can still think of the geysers in the ground, these amazing oh, yeah. explosions of water. It's actually growing as an island it as is. we speak. Yeah, there was a volcanic eruption back in May because we were supposed to head over in July and we're thinking, oh, we won't get over now because this eruption has happened. We don't know if it's close to where we're supposed to be going. Uh, everything was fine. Flights were going in and out of Iceland. There was no hassle there at all. But yeah, they do have these volcanic yeah. eruptions. It's not like super rare. It's not dormant no. or anything. Maybe that also adds to this on the edge yeah. feeling among the inhabitants. It's very opposite to the Mediterranean mm. vibe. Mm. It's a sort of an edginess, which is... It feels like at any point a dinosaur could come from around <laughs> the corner or something. It's so yeah. rugged yeah. and sparse really, yes. with people. You know? And of course, for anybody who's interested in chess, it was fantastic to go and see the place where Boris Basky and Bobby Fischer had possibly the most famous legendary chess match ever played. So that was in Reykjavik? That was in Reykjavik. And he's right. buried Bobby Fischer, this tormented incredible genius okay. he's buried there as well he was the only place given refuge when the americans wanted to bring him back in and incarcerate him so they offered him sanctuary because home. in 1972 at the height of the cold war they yeah. had this match between the russian the soviets who had ruled the chess world forever okay. and this lone american genius who smashed them and took the crown and then went mad it's like a fairy tale yeah. nightmare like, yes, I was but it was fitting in a way that Bobby Fischer ended up in Reykjavik, Iceland. Yeah, amazing. Wow. Your final destination. Okay, so my final destination, I absolutely love going away with my mom and my sister. And people who listen to my podcast will know that I talk about my mom, Nora, all of the time. We're very close. She works as a gardener for a big estate in Kildare. And she is an inspiration to me. So I love hanging out with her. I love going away with her, spending time with her. And she is so much fun. She's a real devil. She has a real glint in her eye. And my sister is the exact same. So when the three of us get together, we have an absolute ball. Now, the next city I want to talk about is somewhere I originally went to with Anthony because he was racing. He was doing a bike race across a desert that is very close to the city Granada in Spain. So he set off on this bike race and I was on my own for a couple of days and I really fell in love with this place so much so that I went back with my mom and my sister. Granada is only about three hours flight from Dublin so it's not a super long distance. We fly into Malaga, hire a car and we just go straight to Granada for the first couple of days. And it is absolutely stunning. It's really well known for its Moorish old quarter. The parts of the town itself, it's like a labyrinth. You can really get lost in it. It's got these secluded inner gardens. It's got beautiful churches. And the piece of resistance is the 14th century palace. That is the Alhambra. Mm. That's also known as the Red Palace. Oh, my God. It's just breathtaking. So 
Granada was a Muslim city originally. It was like the headquarters for the Muslim faith in Europe until <laughs> us pesky Christians came in in 1492 and kind of took over the palace. Now, we did a tour there and I was asking the tour guide, why did they not come in and smash the place down? They destroyed a lot of the architecture and art from older nations, but Alhambra was deemed too beautiful to destroy and the Christians then took it over and kept adding to it and enjoying it and taking care of it. Have you been? Uh, no, I haven't. It's on my list. I've been to so many places in, in that, that region. Where would international guests fly into? Okay. I think Malaga is probably the best airport to get to because you're only about a 40-minute drive then from okay. Granada. Yeah. Okay, and Malaga's served around the world. Everywhere. yeah. So, it's so wherever you live. And if you're going to Europe, this is a great spot from which to, to not only arrive and explore, but to go on as well. It is, and you know what? Granada is the place that you don't hear a lot of people go mm -hmm. to it. They do have a thriving tourist industry there, but it's real Spain. It's mm -hmm. not like if you go to Tenerife or you go to some of the holiday mm -hmm. resorts. Granada is actually Spain. It's really authentic feeling. The food is the same. The wine is the same. It's really cheap. If you want to go on a budget holiday, go to Granada. You can't spend money there on food or alcohol. It's so wonderful. But yeah, the Alhambra is stunning. And of course, we have the general life gardens just off the Alhambra. They are the most stunning manicured gardens that you're ever going to see in your entire life. And of course, my mom being a gardener, she was in Valhalla. She was just in her element and we spent hours and hours walking around it. It was really beautiful. Now, Granada would be a bit pretty boisterous town. It has a big university in it. So with regards to nightlife, if you're looking for that, if you're going with the girls and you want to do a little bit of partying, it's still a great option. Obviously, I was there with my mom and my sister, so it was a little bit more tranquilo for us. But if you do want a little bit more fun, there's loads to do there as well. You don't just have to go and see museums and take God, leisurely walks around the town, but it's absolutely stunning. Where did you stay and what were your go-to coffee shops, restaurants, bars? So again, we stayed in a hotel. We moved out from Granada to Sierra Nevada after a couple of days. I'll go into that in a few minutes. So in Granada, we stayed in a beautiful hotel right in the city, very close to the old medieval walls. So we're in the thick of it, but it's not super busy. There's an old side of the city, like many of these cities, and then a newer side. And the newer side is where all the nightlife, all the young folk hang out and get up to no good so we stayed in the older part of the city which as I said a little bit more tranquil a little bit more low-key but there are hundreds of options for hostels B&Bs guest house Airbnbs hotels and everything from one star to five star you can pick and choose whichever level and being a university city you are going to get well-priced options if you're not going to completely treat yourself exactly when we talk about food as well so the city itself is quite compact my favorite day that we spent in Granada was this lovely day just walking around these tiny little streets discovering these tiny little restaurants where you can sit outside again do people watching so this is how we did it walk tap as wine walk tap as wine walk tap as wine <laughs> Literally the most perfect day ever, just sitting out in the sun, eating tapas, having some beautiful wine, chilling, watching people, chatting. 
gorgeous. Was there a tapas dish that stayed in your memory? They actually do seafood very well mm. there, like the octopus. Oh, I'm a big seafood fan. It's fresh. And they have this local sausage, like a spicy chorizo, but it tastes kind of different. It's very local. The breads are absolutely beautiful mm. as well. If you buy a drink in Granada, they have to give you a free tapa. So they'll bring you out tapas. Even if you don't order something, they'll bring you something small, even if it's just bread with some olives. But then you will go to some places, order a glass of wine, and they'll bring you out the most extravagant free tapas. Mm. So it's beautiful. Wow. I absolutely loved it. And your mother, what was her abiding memory of the experience for her? And would you go back? Oh, yeah. We would go back. I would go back over and over again to Granada. I w- wish that everyone could go there and see how absolutely stunning the place is. So we did something really touristy when my mom was there. And I know it's a little bit twee and it may be not the cool thing to do. But we went to see a flamenco dancing night in one of the bars. And this is like the equivalent of the tourists come here and they go and see the Irish dancing. And we're like, oh, God, they put the sawdust on the floor and they're kicking up a storm. And it was like that. It was a little bit tacky. It was beautifully done. The dresses, the, the ladies were absolutely stunning. The it's dancing. a very impressive form oh, of dance. God, and so with the beautiful. guitarist yes, as well. Very, very high scale. And very stylist. Yeah, beautiful. I'm so passionate. Yes. So yes. passionate. And they really tell a story. It's like going to the theatre when you see it. It's absolutely gorgeous. So I think for us, that was probably a highlight just because it was just so stunning. We were having a couple of drinks, we are having a laugh. And I think that for my mum, I know she absolutely loved that. Any other events around Granada that you could go and explore? So Granada gets extremely warm. You're inland a bit and the heat in the city can get overwhelming at times. So I will say pick your time to go during the year. I'm pretty sure we went in June, so it was extremely warm. It can be quite fatiguing. And the three of us bought those little handheld fans for when we were doing all the walking around. And just before we leave Alhambra, because we did move out of the city for a couple of days, you must book your guided tour in the Alhambra or the gardens. They have a pretty small quota of people that they actually let into the palace. So when you're booking your flights... I would tell you to book your guided tour of the Alhambra Palace. Mm. Book it that far out in advance because you won't be allowed in. You Mm. can't just go in and wander around. If you want to have a little bit of splurge, if you're like me, you're big into history, treat yourself to a private tour because it's just completely next level and the amount of detail and tippets that you get as you're walking around from the guide, it's just unparalleled. What sort of length of time and are you on your feet a lot? Yeah you are on your feet a lot so the tour itself takes about three hours and then you could spend another three hours in the garden if you wanted to. It does take a lot of time. I will say as well that when you're walking around the city it's an old city a lot of hills even to get up to the palace itself there's a big steep hill that you have to walk up. They do shuttle buses from the base up but just bear that in mind if you're not super mobile that the city is a little bit tricky on foot. How was the shopping experience? You don't see the H&Ms, you're not seeing Zara, you're just seeing lovely boutique places that you're going to get something original, a little bit better quality. It's not fast fashion, really stunning clothes there. And of course, then you can shop for the local food and wine and bring some of that back because it's worth treating yourself to that fantastic olive oil and some of those incredible cured meats and then the wines as well. The prices are are very good there, even for excellent wines, the excellent. Stunning wines, really, really gorgeous. I know my mom brought home a couple of bottles, but it didn't last long. <laughs> <laughs> she won't mind me telling you. <laughs> 
But we have to get out of the city then because, as I said, the heat gets very stifling. It's very clawing. So we had the hire car. We went to Sierra Nevada. Now, I have been to the Sierra Nevada National Park previously with Anthony. We had cycled around. And when he had gone off and done his race, I actually drove up there and spent a couple of nights there on my own doing some hiking. And What so was that like? Oh, amazing. And do you know what? I think when you go to these places, particularly as a woman traveling on your own, I don't mind traveling on my own. I'm quite confident driving on the other side of the road and navigating around these places. I do recommend if you're traveling on your own, stay in a campsite. Don't just park up on the side of the road and camp that night. That would be something that I wouldn't feel comfortable doing unless I really knew the area quite well. But yeah, it was beautiful. The people are absolutely fabulous. The campsites again, the immaculate, the hiking is unparalleled it's really stunning so had to bring my mom and my sister over to the sierra nevada national park we did hikes we did a little bit of biking we actually got a private tour hiking guide just in case god forbid get lost no one would ever see us again (laughs) so we took a a guide with us now you don't have to do that but we just said we'll take the mental load off ourselves and follow somebody so we stayed in the most beautiful hotel in sierra nevada called el lodge now in sierra nevada it's very warm in granada but when you get to sierra nevada you will see snow on the top of the mountains so you've got the two different types of holiday in the winter Sierra Nevada is a very famous uh, skiing resort there's a lot of beautiful ski places chalets and we stayed in this beautiful place called El Lodge really beautiful location stunning scenery it's like a mountain hotel very small only like 20 rooms we had a hot tub a swimming pool sauna and we went wild and we had every single treatment under the sun I was so exfoliated I think I lost (laughs) (laughs) about seven layers of skin after that holiday (laughs) it was absolutely perfect way to get out of the heat go get a bit of pampering and then we unfortunately had to drive back to Malaga hop on a plane and come back to (laughs) that was probably the most standout girls holiday I've had with my mum and my sister because it was so varied we did so much but we chilled out do the Alhambra uh, Granada first before going into the Sierra and having your spa treatment it's the best way to do because you will get very jaded from the heat that'll be my preference for sure any other any other tips on Granada or that area or anything else you want to share? Granada, it's a very safe city. It's not like Paris. It's not like these massive cities where you're kind of clutching your handbag in spots and thinking, oh God, am I wandering into a bad area here? The city is quite compact. You can't really go too wrong with it. So I would say explore and don't just stay on the main streets when you go down the little side streets the tiny little alleyways there's hundreds of restaurants and really charming little wine bars and tapas bars all down there that are even cheaper if you even thought that was going to be possible try and go a little bit off the beaten path they're also quite famous for their tiling work you will pick up some beautiful pieces of art there's still some very big strong influences from the islam faith so you'll see that everywhere and that's really nice and don't be afraid to ask questions i went into a store at one point there was this beautiful piece of islam scripture written on a piece of wood and i was like would that be offensive for me to buy and to have in my home because the message was so beautiful oh my god the girl was so delighted that they even asked she was telling me all about it so interact with people everywhere and you'll learn something 
And is the Muslim community vibrant there as well? It is still very vibrant, yeah. Everyone just lives in harmony together. It's really beautiful. You can actually get a ferry over to Morocco. They're really close. So there's huge crossover influences from both communities. And were you tempted to take the ferry or would that be something to consider if you were going to, to visit? Yeah, I think to start somewhere like Granada and then consider going across would be amazing. I've never been. Have you ever been to Morocco? I have. All of that coastal area in, in North Africa, you've just got a different flavor mm-hmm. of life, mm. different way of processing life. We talk about the benefits of travel and that, that it's not just a case of seeing pretty places. What it does to your imagination and what Absolutely. it does to your ability to see that the world is so multifaceted. Oh, yeah. And I suppose that is one of the great benefits. And the place you picked there, particularly Granada, going to places where this cultural mix and this mix of identities, it really opens one's mind to oh, the history. Se- oh, absolutely. It seeps into you. It changes you as a person when yeah. you go and open your heart to these kind of places yeah. and experience them. You can watch a movie on Morocco or a documentary, but you can't understand it until you're there and you've got the smells, the sights. Yeah. And as you said, even the outlook of people, yeah. you can pick up on that very quickly when you're in a place and it's, yeah. it's lovely to see it. So in conclusion, people picking one or all three of your suggestions, what will they get out of that, do you think? If you want to go and sit beside a pool or if you want to go and be stationary and read a book, these three places aren't for you. Go and pick a, a resort or something like that. I like when I go away that my weekends or my couple of days are action-packed or with chilling, I mean, all within reason. But these three places in particular will give you loads of options, you'll have loads of fun, and you'll be busy absorbing everything around you. So that's what I love in a couple of days away. That's what I always look for. And how often a year do you try to have breaks, whether it's with your mum, with your friends, with your partner? I am a little bit of a homebody. Like even this, even today, I'm really busy. I have to drive down to Cork tomorrow. It's super busy at the moment. And I was just saying to Anthony, he wanted to go away and see a Christmas market maybe over in Germany or Belgium. And we hadn't booked it yet. And we're kind of thinking, oh, I just love being at home. It's just nice to get into a rhythm. We have dogs here and I like being with them and doing my walk and getting out on my bike and being active. So even though I love going away, I do love also being at home and being in that rhythm so for me I think a weekend away every two three months a couple of holidays I love to go away on active holidays with Anthony mostly on the bike we do that about four times a year I go away with my mom whether that's within Ireland probably once every two three months or we'll just do like one day spa day and then with the girls because they all have those pesky kids that's like trying to organize napoleon those levels of trying to get everybody if that happens once a year or maybe twice a year we're super lucky so i think i've got a good cadence there i think i've got a nice cadence of going away and then also enjoying my Home yeah. I think we are creatures of habit. I'm going to London this weekend for a podcast and you know, part of me doesn't really want to go. It's mm. Christmas time, the grandkids yeah. are around, blah, blah, yeah. blah. In a way, it's highly unlikely you're going to regret ever getting on a plane it's like doing exercise you don't Mm. really want to get there and do that class but you know the advantages will outweigh and when you get on the plane to come back you'll be a slightly different person yeah i totally agree yeah Yeah, i absolutely agree 
Sarah, that's been absolutely wonderful. I, I think you've given us so much food for thought there, whether you're going for a girls only or whatever the gender, whatever the mix, there are three fantastic destinations. So thank you really. Thanks from the bottom of my heart for sharing those wonderful memories. And uh, again, you can't make memories unless you travel. So uh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Thank you.